Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Coming to you live around about 15 minutes after the full-time whistle. It's finished Arsenal nil, Juventus 2 in the Gunners. This final friendly ahead of their return to Premier League action on Boxing Day. Well, it's the final friendly that we know about. I wouldn't put it past Arsenal uh, coming up with a post at some point in the week saying that they've just played a behind-closed-doors friendly game. I'm not saying that they are. I'm not saying that I know they are, but I wouldn't put it past them doing something. So I say the last friendly uh, before, of course, the season resumes, but it might not be uh, something to bear in mind uh, anyway. But yeah, Arsenal uh, beaten at home by Juventus. Own goals galore, I've put in the title, because it was two own goals that undone us uh, this evening. The Gunners were totally dominant in so many ways uh, in terms of possession, in terms of, uh, you know, action areas, all of those things. But a couple of own goals have seen uh, Juventus uh, nick a win at Emirates Stadium. Now, look, we talk about the result here and we talk about Juventus nicking a win and all of that stuff and, and you know, how frustrating and disappointing it is because you never want to lose at home. But, you know, ultimately, did the result really matter today? No. Is it something that impacts us going forward? No. Is it something that we should lose any sleep over? No, it's not. And um, I know there are going to be some of those over-the-top reactions. I, I already seen some, some of them in uh, the chat box for the live watch-along that we did of the game. You know, people saying that that's it, Arsenal finished. And being deadly serious about it, people saying that Arsenal have been completely derailed by the Gabby Jesus injury and that's it now. We'll be on a decline and we'll be lucky if we finish in the top four. Believe it or not, there are people out there that are that reactionary. Yes, there are. How do I look at this one? I mean, obviously, I don't want to lose games. Obviously, I don't want to lose football matches. Obviously, I don't want to see Arsenal... Uh, beaten in any competition, in any friendly, in any exhibition match. I don't want to see Arsenal beaten full stop. But unfortunately today, things didn't go our way. You know, a couple of own goals. Granite Xhaka's one uh, I thought was really unlucky. I think he sees the cross coming in uh, from the uh, wide position and feels like he has to do something, like he has to try and deal with it in some way, shape or form. Maybe it's a bit of a lacking concentration. Maybe he's misread the flight of the ball. I think it's probably the latter. And it ends up in the far corner and Aaron Ramsdale can do nothing about it. These things happen. Somebody also said in the live watch along chat box that maybe that's Granite Xhaka's howler for the season out of the way, done and dusted. That would be good because if it was going to come at any point, you'd have wanted it today. Um, so, yeah, look, that was how Juventus took the lead and that was right on the stroke of half time. And maybe that took the wind a little bit out of Arsenal's sails, who had played really well up until that point. And then the second own goal from Rob Holding is one that he can't really do an awful lot about and one or, or a situation that he has to try and deal with. It's a cross 
uh, a ball that's being fired rapidly across the face of goal. And Rob Holding tries to deal with it. And unfortunately, his touch is what takes it over Aaron Ramsdale, who was preparing to get down on the ground and try and deal with it at the near post. These things happen. As I say, I don't really care about the result. I'm more interested in the performance. I'm more interested in how some of the individuals that Mikel Arteta selected fared. And we'll go through some of those in just a minute. But please, 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 can we just forget um, about, you know, trying to draw lots and lots of concrete conclusions from a friendly match with some players returning from the World Cup uh, for the first time today, others who have been there and are a little bit further ahead in terms of their preparation, etc., etc. There's players still missing, obviously. There was no Saka, there was no Martinelli, there was no Tomiyasu. Lokonga was absent today as well, who would have added a little bit of depth there. Still no William Saliba, who, of course, will participate from the bench uh, in the World Cup final tomorrow. So good luck to him, obviously. You know, we're still without players. Aaron Ramsdale was back for the first time as well. And yeah, look, just all I'll say is we are going to break it down. We are going to talk about some of these players. We are going to break down their performances. And I'm going to give you some opinions and some thoughts on how many of those players fared. But what I would say is that don't get carried away by friendlies, not in a positive way and not in a negative way. So people watched the preseason tour and I thought that people got carried away with how Arsenal played in some of those games. But then we came back to England and we showed that again in the Premier League and it translated into competitive matches. And so, yeah, you could look back at it and say, yeah, you know what, actually we were right to see the positives and to be happy with that. But by that same token, Arsenal could have quite easily started the Premier League season and lost a couple of games. And so we've seen it time and time again is what I'm trying to say. We've seen Arsenal have amazing pre-seasons and shit starts to the season. And likewise, we've seen Arsenal have really poor pre-seasons and then decent starts to campaigns as well. So don't get bogged down by this. Don't allow it to kind of push out or edge out some of the positivity that's been in your mind throughout the duration of this season so far, because it has been very, very good. And this is not something to, to lose any sleep over. It's not something to get your knickers in a twist about. And it's not something that should play a significant role in any of your um, in any of your opinions going forward. Brian says, oh, Harry, enough with the perspective and wisdom. Jeez. But it's true. It's true. And I want to put that out first and foremost, because if I then sit and say this player wasn't good enough today or that player wasn't good enough today, people are going to take it as though I'm sitting here firing shots at people. And that's not what I'm doing. I'm going to analyze what I saw this evening. I'm going to break down what I saw in front of me today. But I wanted to get the caveat in there that that does not change most of my overall opinions on where this team are at, how good they are, where they're moving towards, what the weaknesses are and were prior to this. So, yeah, let's let's just make sure that we get that out there first and foremost. But look, let's talk about some of the individual performances. I want to talk first and foremost about Granit Xhaka because he returned to the team today back in the side having returned from the World Cup. He hasn't spent a lot of time away, uh, took a few days and then returned to training pretty sharpish, as was uh, revealed by Mikel Arteta. Um, good to see him back. Good to see him back in the team. And I thought, apart from the own goal, which was, you know, incredibly unfortunate, I thought that he was very, very good. I thought he took up that 
uh, number eight position and and made it his own again. It was as if he was never gone. He dropped into some really um, useful positions. He caused the opponent problems. He helped with those overloads. He facilitated uh, the runs of Kieran Tierney on the outside. He gave uh, Reese Nelson the freedom of the left wing at times. He also tucked in field when he needed to. Granite Xhaka uh, sat alongside Thomas Partey when he needed to. Granite Xhaka, and I think since he switched to that position, I think he's done. Um, I, I think he's done really, really well, generally speaking. And you know, I wasn't worried about Granite Xhaka coming back. There are players that went away to the World Cup that you do look at and you think, how is this going to impact you? You know, how was your tournament uh, going to impact you when you come back? How's it going to be sort of mentally for you? Are you going to be able to switch back into club mode? And are you going to be focused enough and, and ready to put behind you what happened in the tournament? In most people's cases, it was disappointing. So can they do that? And Granit Xhaka was the one I probably had the least concerns about. The least concerns about his ability to come back in put that all to one side and focus on the task at hand. And I think from what we saw of him today, you can see that, yeah, you know, it's it's not going to take him long to get back into his stride. Uh, a couple of the passes were off. Uh, a couple of his, you know, I think runs were just a little bit slower than normal in terms of getting into those areas. But that just looked like rust to me. It looked like he was dusting off the cobwebs. And you've got to remember as well that he would have been, you know, he would have been playing for Switzerland in a very different way. And what happens is you then, you know, you spend time adjusting your mindset and adjusting your mind to play in a certain way in a certain team. And then you come back to your club and you're asked to do a different role. I think that can take a bit of time. And I think that's what maybe I saw a little bit in terms of the rustiness and maybe in terms of him not making some of those runs and some of those movements quite quick enough, but still doing it to a relatively good level. But yeah, not massively worried about Granite Jacques. I thought Thomas Partey looked fairly sharp again as well today uh, in large parts, which was good news because those two are so, so key to this team. Uh, Fabio Vieira, for me, uh, who played from the right-hand side again, apart from a little spell where he tucked into Granite Xhaka's position after he departed, and uh, and Marquinhos, who had come on on the left to replace the injured Reese Nelson, had gone out on the right-hand side. I thought Fabio Vieira today having seen him in both positions, albeit in a much shorter period of time in the centre of midfield, looks to me actually more like someone who we're going to use as a wide player than someone we're going to use as a Nate. Uh, someone said in the chat earlier on, where is it? Uh, Diane said, Fabio is not a winger at all. I don't think he is an out-and-out -out winger. I said in my live watch-along that I feel like because he's so left-footed and then he doesn't have... Bukayo Saka level pace or, or Gabby Martinelli level pace that when he is required to go on the outside of people it looks really unnatural and it's a problem for him and it's a struggle for him so I agree that Fabio is not an out and out winger but when I look at him I don't see someone who's ready physically to play in the center of our midfield I don't see someone who's able to do the perfect balance of defensive and attacking work in the way that Granite Xhaka does so as I've mentioned Xhaka gets forward, occupies those half spaces, gets people into the game from other positions, you know, drifts into those areas and, and attracts the attention of the defenders, which creates room for the wingers and creates room for the fullbacks, whether they're tucking in or going on the overlap. Fabio Vieira, for me, is not well-rounded enough to play that role where he's required to be a hybrid 
between a, a defender and an attacker, depending on where we're at. For example, if we do go through a difficult period in a game, you know that Xhaka can tuck in alongside Thomas Partey and just help us through that and just help us weather the storm, help us protect a little bit more down our left-hand side. Fabio Vieira, that side of his game, for me, is non-existent. So I actually prefer him to be playing in one of those wide positions where he can do a little bit less defensive work and the responsibility for him to tuck into the midfield is not there. It's not his natural position, I agree, but I think he's better there than anywhere else currently. Now, maybe that will change over time. Maybe that will, you know, change as he maybe box up a little bit more physically, if that is indeed what Arsenal are trying to do with him. But just right now, at this moment in time, I think that Fabio Vieira's best position probably is from the right. And I think at the moment, he is, for me, the Bukayo Saka cover, based on what we have currently at our disposal. Can you bring him on as an additional midfielder in a game when you're chasing a goal? Yeah, you can. And can you give him a little bit more freedom than you would normally give one of your eights? Yeah, you probably can. And that's fine. He's a great asset to the squad, but he's not a number eight in this Arsenal team for me at this moment in time. I think he's more of a right-sided wide player. I wouldn't even mind him playing from the left, so he can go on the outside of people. Played a lot for Porto on the left, but we haven't really seen that at Arsenal just yet. Um, I wanted to talk Martin Odegaard, the birthday boy who celebrates his birthday. Happy birthday to the Arsenal captain, Martin Odegaard. I thought he had a, a pretty good game again as well. Looks really sharp, looks really fit, looks as though he's really been working hard on the training ground. Uh, obviously, someone that didn't participate in the World Cup. Norway didn't qualify and so should be fresh and raring to go, theoretically speaking. Um, but, you know, he hasn't got Bukayo Saka on the outside of him. He hasn't got Gabby Jesus at the moment to play into either, but he's still having a massive impact in games. He's still knitting everything together. He's still very proactive in terms of the way he presses and closes people down. And his performances, for me, have been really, really good uh, in these friendlies. Um, the big blow today and the big disappointment today is obviously the, the injury suffered by Reese Nelson, who I feel like is getting better and better with each passing week, who I feel like is you know, really benefiting from Mikel Arteta's coaching. We've heard wingers, uh, very high-profile wingers in the past, that particularly Raheem Sterling, sort of credit a lot of their development to Mikel Arteta and his ability to get the very best out of them. Um, and obviously, Reese Nelson, I think, is benefiting from that as well now. He looks much more well-rounded, looks as though he's got more end product, looks as though he makes the right decisions more often than he's ever done in the past. He's always been tricky. He's always been sharp. He's always been skillful. But I just feel like he's just adding another level now. And so to see him go off injured is obviously a disappointment. It looked like a hamstring based on what we could see and what we could tell. What does that mean? Well, we don't know uh, exactly. We don't know how long he'll be out for, uh, if at all. What I would say is sort of just my gut feel looking at it. You know, you, you can normally tell when a player has done something serious. You can normally see it written all over their face. They will know. They will feel it. I think Reese Nelson felt a strain um, and that's why he pulled up. He sat down straight away. Treatment was given to him and then it was decided that he would make way. Now, this was a preseason friendly or a mid preseason friendly, whatever you want to call it. This wasn't a game of any significance. This wasn't a game that mattered. And so I'd assume that on that premise, even if it was the slightest tweak, it's not worth taking the risk or the, the club will feel that it's not worth taking the risk. Mikel Arteta, 
Reese Nelson. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill himself will feel that it's not worth taking a risk and so he was substituted that doesn't mean that he's going to be out for five six weeks that doesn't mean that Arsenal need to go and lump an extra 20 30 million pound on top of their Mikhailo Mudrik offer to get that deal done quicker and sooner rather than later it doesn't mean any of those things we don't know what it means at this stage so hopefully it's not long hopefully it's not bad news it could be a two three week injury you know that that's probably the most likely outcome. Three, four weeks, maybe even if we're talking hamstring now that I'm thinking about it. But, you know, again, we don't know that. You know, again, as I say, it could have just been a precaution. It could have felt a slight twinge, a slight strain. And based on what I've just said, the fact that this match means very little and is is very insignificant, it, it could be that Arsenal took the decision to not take any risk and just get him off the pitch ASAP. I wanted to talk a little bit about Marquinhos as well, because for me, it was interesting to see him come on for Reese Nelson, play on the left-hand side, where we haven't seen him play yet. He's he's always played from the right when when selected by Mikel Arteta. And I think the right is his best position. He's one of those who's very happy and wants to cut inside onto that left foot of his. You know, that's, that's his game. Um, but it was interesting to see him, first of all, come on on the left-hand side to replace Reese Nelson, then be moved out to the right-hand side when Vieira was moved into midfield, and then for him to be substituted in order for Arsenal to bring one area on and then put Vieira back out on the right-hand side. Did Mikel Arteta feel like Vieira during his time on the right-hand side was a lot more effective than Marquinhos? And did he hook Marquinhos because he was unhappy with his performance? Now, I've said this a couple of times this season. If you listen back to some of the podcasts we've done, on a couple of occasions, I've said that I don't think Mikel Arteta has been totally satisfied with what he got from Marquinhos. And I wonder if that was the case today. Now, again, it's a friendly. And again, I don't want to cause speculation or, or, or cause a story that, you know, or a narrative that that is inaccurate. But there's just a bit of me that looks at Marquinhos sometimes and thinks, are you giving it 100%? And is Mikel Arteta based on the way he's taken him off a couple of times as a sub, also thinking the same thing. Does he also look at him and think, you're letting me down a little bit. You're disappointing me. Because there's been games where he's played in the Europa. Uh, I I don't know if he started in the Carabao Cup. I can't remember. But he started in one of the Europa games and he was the first to come off. And I remember saying on the post-match podcast then, you know, what does that mean? 
the fact that you are the first one to come off, it suggests that you're not delivering. You're not performing to the level that Mikel Arteta requires. So I'm interested uh, to see if he's going to go out on loan in the not too distant future. Maybe that's dependent on us getting someone in. Maybe that will now be dependent on the extent of Reese Nelson's injury. I don't know, but it's a really interesting one with Marquinhos. Because as I understood it, when Arsenal signed him, the intention was to send him out on loan. But they were impressed by what they'd seen, given the, the shape of the squad and Arsenal's failure to sign a, a ready-made winger um, in the window, which we know they tried to do. Uh, we know they looked at a couple of options. I wonder if that meant that they decided to keep hold of him at least until January. And will we see him potentially go out on loan? I think he could do with it, if I'm being honest. But at the same time, I don't want to weaken our squad because it's already pretty thin. You've got to be honest. Anyway, um, the overriding takeaway from today's game is, you know, we talked about some individuals. I'm going to talk about Cozy Dubri in a minute, who came on and I thought gave a really good account of himself. But the overriding takeaway for me is the fact that we lacked end product. The fact that we were dominant in possession and, and controlled the game and the tempo of the game and every aspect of it pretty much but didn't create an awful lot of clear-cut chances. I think we had two shots on target in the entire game, just off the top of my head. I haven't seen the stats yet, so correct me if I'm wrong, and apologies um, you know, if I've got that wrong, but it can't be much different than that. We're, we're lacking end product, and we're lacking that ability to create clear-cut chances, but, and I'm not saying you know we didn't have enough talent on the pitch to do better today, because we certainly did, and you know, you look at it and you want to see more from a lot of these players that are on the fringes, on the peripheries, and you want to see that they're fighting for their places. You want to see that they're chomping at the bit and they're showing Mikel Arteta that their level is at least close. Um, but what I would say is this. I know they need to do better. I know they need to improve. I know they, you know, come away from the game, you know, without having had the impact that they desired and, and that the manager would have desired and that we as fans would have desired. But you've got to remember that our entire first choice front three was missing today. And that impacts to some degree, doesn't it? Not just in terms of the quality of the players and, and what that means they can produce in terms of A, chances, and then B, end product, i.e. goals. But what it also impacts is relationships. You know, Martin Odegaard, who has become so accustomed to linking up with Bukayo Saka on the outside of him or Gabriel Jesus inside of him. Couldn't do that today and has to link up with Fabio Vieira and with Eddie Nketiah. And that's different. You're not necessarily on the same wavelength as those players when you don't play with them very, very often. And that's not, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I think if you're going to talk about Arsenal having a lack of end product today and you ignore the fact that the front three were missing, then I think you're being harsh and unfair. So I want to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that the front three were all absent today. And that has to have some impact. You'd hope that when Saka returns, when Martinelli returns, the fact that we've only got one of that front three missing and that, you know, Eddie Nketiah is going to be playing through the middle means it has less of an impact and means that we can be close to what we were or closer to what we saw uh, prior to the World Cup. But at the end of the day, you know, as I say, although Vieira should do more in terms of Emperor, and he did have a couple of good efforts at goal, although Nelson, you know, probably could have done more when he was on the pitch and Enketia probably could do a little bit more. I think, you know, you've got, you've got to think about that stuff as well. And I think you've got to be fair in your assessments. For what it's worth, I thought in the first half, Enketia looked really lively. 
I thought Nelson looked lively up until he went off. And I actually think that had Nelson stayed on, Arsenal would have been a much more potent attacking threat today because, you know, Marquinhos just, just didn't look at it for me. He didn't look very good today. I've got to be honest with you. And again, I'm not going to hammer the lad. I'm not going to, you know, really sort of base and, and form strong opinions off the back of what we saw today in isolation. But he didn't look very good in this game in isolation. And you have to say that if you're being fair, open and honest. I think had Nelson stayed on the pitch, we'd have been a bit a bit more of a threat and, and maybe that would have made a difference. But I do want to talk about Cozy Dubry, who did come on and I thought had a much bigger impact than Marquinhos did from that left-hand side. Very lively, very good ball control, very low centre of gravity, happy to take people on, always looking to get to the byline and make something happen. Really enjoyed his performance, really, really did. Maybe it was slightly unfortunate not to get... Um, you know, a little bit more in terms of service into him, that little bit quicker, because there were times where we were moving the ball from side to side. And especially in the second half, when Xhaka came off and Partey came off and the midfield then was being dictated or, or, or you know, the, the base of it was Mohamed Elneny, who just isn't the same player. The line-breaking passes were gone. Uh, you don't get that with Mohamed Elneny. You get square passes more and more than anything else. And I think that that just meant that we took a little bit longer to build up. There was less of that one-touch stuff uh, that we saw and less of the line-breaking passes, as I said. And so by the time the ball got out to Cozy Dubry, more often than not, he'd be closed down. He'd have a difficult task on his hands. And, you know, that made life tough for the young lad. But from what I saw today, he looks a very promising young talent and I can't wait to see more of him. Also, shout out for Ethan Waneri as well, who came on. And I thought, again, gave a great account of himself as well, even in a short period of time really brave in possession, always looking to make something happen, also has a real low centre of gravity, wonderful left foot, and really looks uh, an amazing talent. So, yeah. Uh, David Van Derven, uh, just going to take a couple of your comments before uh, I go off and uh, and have my Saturday night meal. Uh, he says, Harry, if you're honest with yourself, you saw more from the two youngsters than any did all day. Playing with Eddie is sometimes playing ping pong. Um, yeah, look, I, I think that you know, Eddie wasn't amazing today. He wasn't wasn't great today. But I thought in the first half, he was much better than in the second. And I think that was a consequence of what he had around him as well as anything else as well. You know, when you've got Xhaka pinging balls into you um, and you've got Partey, you know, breaking lines and getting the ball to Odegaard earlier and Arsenal are then able to attack your back line in the way that they do so effectively at times, you think, yeah, great. Um, you know, Eddie Nketiah's going to come alive. And if he's receiving the ball earlier, then he's less likely to be marked. But do not underestimate, David, how difficult it is to play as a lone centre forward against the low block. And that's what we face today. A low block from a Max Allegri side, albeit a patched up one because of their players uh, being away for the World Cup and, and the fact that a lot of them haven't returned yet. And I, I totally acknowledge that. But it was still a low block. It was still a difficult team to break down. And this is what I keep saying about Nketiah, where you look at Jesus and you think, Great player inside the box, but also a great player around the box. Eddie Nketiah is not that. Eddie Nketiah is a great box player for me, but outside of that, he's got a lot of work to do and a lot of development still, which is needed. And I'm not surprised that at what I saw today. And this comes back to what I keep saying. Yes, we can break this one down in isolation. And yes, we can talk about the individual performances on the day. But have I learned anything about Arsenal today? Honestly, no, because I, I think... All, all that I saw was things that I expected. You know, I expected Eddie to struggle 
with a low block. I expected Eddie to struggle with getting involved in the build-up earlier in the way that Gabby Jesus does. I expected to see Fabio Vieira struggle because people could read him and he doesn't have the pace to go on the outside in the way that Saka does, where he varies it up from time to time. I expected uh, Marquinhos to struggle on the left. I expected once Xhaka and Partey went off to have a lot less rhythm to our play. I expected that once Ben White went off, Cedric Suarez plays fullback in a different way. And that, you know, almost plays against the system that we've got where he's required to tuck in because Cedric doesn't do that as naturally. I think there was a lot like that we could see, but it was all things that we we know are there. And so, uh, you know, that kind of builds on, on what I've been saying all along. It hasn't really changed my opinion on on a lot of the, the subjects that we've discussed and have been discussing throughout the duration of the season. Dust this one off. Opportunity to, for players to build their fitness for some match sharpness, uh, further match sharpness, particularly for those who haven't been at the World Cup and haven't, and those that were at the World Cup and weren't involved. Good to have Ramsdale back. Good to have Xhaka back. Uh, another game under Partey's belt on his uh, road to full fitness. The same with Ben White as well. Eddie and Ketia learning the role that he's going to be required to play for the next couple of months or so. He will come away from that one. He'll know what he did well. He'll know what he did badly. The coaches will point out to him what he did well and what he did badly. And um, yeah, and it, it's about developing. It's about taking the positives from these matches and taking the learns without allowing them to to cloud over uh, the judgments that you make in the matches that matter. And that's the Premier League ones, the Europa League ones, the cup games. Any match matters more than this. This is a pre-season friendly. It's not even for one of those rubbish pre-season trophies. This is literally a nothing match at Emirates Stadium uh, against a Juventus side that were very, very fortunate to get anything today, let alone... Um, let alone a couple of own goals and then subsequently uh, the victory. But yeah, that's my uh, my assessment of the game. Wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Wouldn't be too stressed about it. Uh, Mikel Arteta will know exactly what needs working on. He'll be back on the training ground with the boys, I'm sure, uh, trying to put that right ahead of the big return. And um, And that's what the focus has got to be on now. It's about getting everybody back fit, getting back to what we were doing previous, uh, oh, sorry, prior to the World Cup, trying to continue on on that same path. We haven't got Gabriel Jesus. We've got Eddie Nketiah. Whether you like him or not, Boxing Day, Saturday the 26th, or sort of Monday the 26th of December, we can't bring anyone in by then anyway because the window ain't open. So forget obsessing about what we need to do ahead of this game and what we need to do in the window for now moving forward. Focus on the Boxing Day game. Let's get three points at home to West Ham United. Let's get back to winning ways. And let's continue uh, to to perform and continue to, uh, you know, move forward and push forward as a team. That's what it's all about. But anyway, OK, uh, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much uh, for joining me. Sorry, it's just a short one, uh, but we have just been doing the watch along for about two and a bit hours. And I'm absolutely knackered. It's late. It's Saturday night. It's a friendly match. There's not an awful lot uh, to get into, really. Uh, I've shared with you guys my takeaways and my thoughts and my uh, overall position on what we saw today as well. Hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to leave a like on the video, please. It really, really does help. Uh, there are uh, 250 of you roughly with me right now, but we've only got 48 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to 100 by the time the stream ends. And I will see you all tomorrow 
with some more Arsenal related content. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.